0: Welcome to the Payments Journal Podcast, and here is your host, Ryan Mack. Welcome to the Payments Journal Podcast, I'm your host, Ryan Mack. Now when I think of the phrase payment alternatives, it makes me think about the history of payments and how everything that was once considered standard payments was once an alternative. So let's be a little more clear and specific. So on this episode, when we talk about payment alternatives, we're speaking to items such as account to account payments and mobile payments in the UK and Europe. Now, I have always said that payments choice is a wonderful thing, but at the end of the day, merchants need to select what type of payments they will accept. And this is where a merchant's payment strategy can be made or broken. So to dive deeper into alternative payments and questions that merchants should be asking themselves around accepting alternative payments, I am joined by Jack Wilson, who is the head of public policy at TrueLater and Zami Zafar, who is the director at Edgar Dunn & Company. So there's certainly a lot of data and insight to unpack on this episode. So without any further delays, let's start the show. So Zach and me, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on this episode here, where we're really going to be diving into some payment alternatives and some account-to-account payments and mobile payments here. And that's really quite a breadth of, of an episode. Uh, but to me, I want to start off our conversation here with you. So in 2021, credit and debit cards made up 41% of all e-commerce payments in the region. Uh, but this number is falling. Um, and by 2026, two-thirds of e-commerce purchases will be made using alternative payments. So I think that your organization has this fantastic chart here that's really kind of breaking that down. Um, So I'm hoping maybe you could kind of unpack that a little bit more for our audience, maybe give some of your key insights and what are the key takeaways that our audience should be paying attention to. And just as a reminder to our audience, you're going to be able to view this chart that we're unpacking in the article below on PaymentsJournal.com. So Sami, perhaps you could provide us with some of your insights.
1: Sure. Thank you very much. Yes. So um, just to clarify, the uh, number of card transactions will not decrease. Uh, payments are growing at a significant pace. Um, it's the market share of payment cards. So today we see cards dominating the e-commerce space because they're convenient. We have been using them for for years. Uh, but the way we see alternatives to cards growing over the next few years, uh, that's quite interesting. So the market share of payment products that can be used uh, in place of cards that will grow. Uh, While the total pie of payments will increase, the market share of alternatives to cards uh, will uh, will grow. And uh, accordingly, card market share will decline. So you will see that by 2026, we think that uh, about two thirds of the total e-commerce transactions uh, will be made with alternative payment instruments who by that time we will not be calling them alternative because um, some of them will be really mainstream uh, payment instruments. So that's the, uh, that's what the graphic shows. And as you can see that the significant increases in uh, by now pay later instruments, digital wallets and bank payments. Uh, and, and they will gain market share at the expense of cards, both debit or credit cards. There are several reasons why we think that alternative payment methods will grow. Um, firstly, um, we have to see why a, these alternative payment methods exist. We've been using cards for ages. But the reason they exist is because they, they offer value to customers. Um, they, they offer convenience, they are often cheaper, and they are far more suited to local needs. Um, so if you don't have to pay anything, uh, to, don't have to pay to an international, uh, make a payment to an international merchant, it's um, a local payment, then, you know, it's probably the local payment method. It will be far better suited to your needs. Um, and that's why sometimes they are no, called uh, local payment methods. Then um, we have to think, we have to, we have to uh, understand that in Europe um, debit cards are really popular. If you look at total cards, consumers use debit cards a lot more than credit cards in fact uk spain and turkey are the three countries where credit cards um, are significant most other countries use debit cards and when you have a debit card you are a little bit more reluctant to use it online because you know it's it's your money it's linked to your account and if there is an issue if there is a fraud or the security issue that's sort of you know you you, you are a little bit hesitant because somebody can access your current checking account so that's 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 another reason and then um the, the 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 other thing is that um uh, alternative payment methods and particularly bank payments uh, are really very convenient for merchants so the way the bank payments grow now they have really um you know uh, really um taken over uh, the advantages that cards used to have the cards uh, basically cards are two things authorization uh, which guaranteed funds to the merchant and speed of payment now with modern banking payments with with open banking with instant payments you don't need those two things uh, uh, in cards uh, because cards because bank payments provide those payments those those advantages as well so bank payments are becoming to merchants increasingly attractive because they're
2: cheaper and they do what cards do i would i would also add to that um, to that point that Um, non-card payments are becoming much more accessible to merchants as technology improves. Um, And and so open banking um, is a a good example of that, where um, developer-first companies um, like TrueLayer, for example, um, part of their offering is to make it as easy as possible to integrate with with a non-card payment method. Um, And so that's why now, merchants have the opportunity to switch away from cards.
0: Yeah, and I, and I, I certainly think that, that that's really interesting here. But but I do have to kind of ask the question here. You know, we're, we're talking about all, all these alternatives that are certainly in the industry. And certainly, as a consumer, I love payment choice. But from a merchant's perspective, why alternatives to cards why are they important for merchants right because if i'm a merchant at the end of the day realistically i'm just I, i'm looking to get paid i'm looking to make that sale and if i'm kind of my mindset is kind of in that vein of hey well people are certainly happy to pay with just cards why should i if i'm a merchant be looking to kind of adopt these alternatives into part of my payment strategy so to me perhaps maybe i can kind of start with you that question and then jack i'd love to get your perspective as well
1: Sure. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And um, merchants report that if you have a wider selection of payment methods, um, the conversion rates, the probability that a customer will make a purchase and the payment will go through, um, so um, there won't be a checkout um, uh, abandonment, um, that probability of a successful sale is greatly increased. So that's, that's the first reason. That's why m- merchants love uh, alternative payment methods alongside cards, because they, they've reduced their uh, cart abandonment rates. Then um, usually, not always, usually uh, alternative payment methods are cheaper. Although the regulators have now tried, have reduced interchange rates in Europe, trying to make cards more affordable for merchants. But those, the, the reduction in those rates, um, ha, has not been passed on to the, um, uh, to the merchants, um, by the, uh, by the acquiring banks. In fact, if you see, uh, there have been significant reductions in interchange, but the merchants, the small merchants continue to pay high rates. And so, um, so, 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 so they're cheaper. And then, um, very importantly, uh, cards, um, have these um, fraud monitoring mechanisms and chargeback mechanisms, which 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 are great things, which have evolved over time, and have really helped consumers, uh, you know, uh, fight uh, fraud and be protected from uh, fraudulent uh, activity. But um, you don't have those problems in alternative payment methods. So in, in bank payment, uh, if you get a payment immediately. Um, you don't have issues of of chargebacks. Chargebacks uh, usually take place when there's a guarantee on a card that is given to the merchant, and then there are certain conditions that are not met, and the merchant has to refund that amount. So, you know, I'm not making this up, but many merchants have gone bankrupt because of chargebacks, and the chargeback rules are so complex. Uh, you need a PhD sometimes <laughs> to... um to um, understand those rules. Um, So in alternative payment methods, usually that part is very simple. There are no chargebacks um, and there are fraud uh, controlling mechanisms. So for those reasons, merchants actually uh, in many ways prefer alternative payment methods, particularly bank payments, uh, if they can get their money quickly so they're able to deliver services, dispatch products quickly, uh, and they don't have to worry about a massive back office operation to uh, manage chargebacks and to manage the uh, the massive uh, paperwork or the electronic uh, processing systems uh, required for chargebacks.
2: Yeah, and 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 I would just build on all of those points that Sammy's um, outlined. Firstly, you've got price, and it's very important. It, it's the most important determinator for a merchant. Um, and you know, if you look at cards, the There is up to 3% um, on transactions for processing card payments, um, whereas open banking payments, for example, as an alternative payment method, um, can be around uh, lower than 1%. um, And that's not even counting the contingent charges. For example, the cost of processing a chargeback. So that can really increase the prices for merchants. And at this time of of squeezed prices and pressures, uh, merchants need to find that, um, that, that cost saving, um, especially when you look at high value goods like buying cars online. If you're being charged 3% for that, of that transaction value, that's a, a significant amount. So, um, in those cases, alternative payment methods that have lower transaction fees are, are much more favor favored. Um, so then, uh, customer experience as well. Um, I think Sammy pointed to this, but Um, There are rules in in the EU about um, authentication, how you authenticate a payment. And actually, alternative payment methods like open banking have implemented against those rules much more successfully than cards. So it's much easier to go through the steps of authentication um, in open banking payments um, just using a fingerprint, for example, on your mobile phone than it is. to to go through those steps with cards where you're often having to manually open your banking app and input a code, a one time password, for example. Um, So user experience is, is a key determinator.
0: Yeah, I certainly agree with, with you, Jack, there in terms of just the, the user experience is certainly uh, key and paramount. Um, and certainly something that merchants in particular play, pay very close attention to. Um, especially as new, uh, compliance and regulation standards kind of come in, there, there's always kind of that talk of, well, does this increase friction? Um, and kind of the different examples that you had provided there. Um, but when it comes to the alternative payments landscape, I think it's certainly very interesting. In um, particularly to to look at the European market here. So Jack, I'd like to stay with you. Maybe you could kind of unpack uh, what that alternative payment landscape in Europe looks like from TrueLayer's perspective.
2: Yeah, I mean it's hugely uh, interesting for us uh, as a as a company that is expanding through Europe to, to see really what amount to cultural differences in how people pay from country to country, even within Europe. Um, so. I mean, starting with the UK, uh, it's a very card heavy, um, uh, you know, economy. Um, people are very wedded to using their credit and their debit cards. Um, credit cards especially are, are in high demand in, in the UK. And then when it comes to alternative payment methods in the UK, you've got basically just um, wrappers for cards. So you've got Google and Apple wallets, uh, but that's just a, a way of using your card in a different um in a different package um but then if you go across the channel um for example to the netherlands um the majority of customers pay um for in in retail for using instant bank transfers um using the ideal bank scheme payment method um so that's a very different um approach where cards are not so in so dominant um and that kind of example is replicated in Sweden with a a similar type of payment method called SWISH Um, and and very much in in Germany with um, Zoffort, the the instant bank payment method. Um, You've even got uh, completely different and um, unfamiliar payment methods like invoice payments in Germany where people are um, issued with the goods and then an invoice and then they have to pay that invoice later. Um, which is unheard of across the channel in the UK. Um, So it's very uh, interesting to see the cultural differences in how people pay.
1: Yeah, and I would just add to what Jake just said, is that um, the improvements in technology uh, in the infrastructure is really helping um, these alternative payment methods uh, become uh, much more efficient, more popular, and cheaper. Uh, So in Spain, uh, so in the UK, we have the faster payment system, in Spain, for example, you have Bizum, uh, where um, near instantaneous uh, transfers of uh, bank payments take place. So, if you have that, um, a buyer can send uh, funds to the seller almost immediately. So, you don't need um, a system where you know where you first have to do authorizations, and then you have to do settlements, and then you have to monitor your activity, and then you have to see if some some things have been reversed. And um you know all all that whole paper chase that goes with it, well or electronic forms that you have to fill out, you know that uh, that doesn't take place so so I think that's um, that, that, that's something that these new methods really have an advantage for for both uh, buyers and sellers.
0: Yeah, sir, certainly really appreciate that. But Jack, I do want to circle back to where you brought up around open banking here, because I do want to dive into that a little bit more. Um, from your perspective, how is open banking really driving the payments innovation uh, that we're seeing and the development really behind these alternatives to cards?
2: Sammy mentioned faster payments, which is some underlying payment infrastructure that's been developed in the UK. And you have a similar infrastructure in the eu called SEPA instant Um, these these are great um ways of making fund transfers from a to b from from somebody's account to another of their accounts but they've not until recently been used to actually make purchases and payments um in in e-commerce for example and so what open banking does is it 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 enables um the the infrastructure of instant fast payments to be leveraged by merchants. And that's because it gives the the ability to what are called third party providers, like TrueLayer to initiate these instant payments on behalf of consumers. And so what you have is um, third party providers making agreements with merchants uh, to integrate the payment method into the checkout. And then you have third-party provider providing that payment service to the consumer at the checkout so it's a brand new almost a, ban, a brand new payment um ecosystem um and so the, the 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 real benefit for the merchant is that the funds go straight from the consumer's account to the merchant's account and um, that's different to cards where although you have an instant authorization and that, and that can lead to the Uh, goods being dispatched you don't have instant settlement of the funds so a merchant can be waiting uh, for a number of days for those funds to arrive but that's not the case with open banking and it it can really help from a liquidity perspective and a a cash management perspective for merchants Um, then you have the security benefits that I uh, alluded to earlier you have the ability to um, make the payment using strong customer authentication, um, uh, where the customer authenticates in a seamless way by um, using a fingerprint in their mobile phone app, for example. And this this means that there are no unauthorized transactions in open banking payments. Um so it's well known that Cards suffers greatly from unauthorized transactions where card details have been shared and Card details have been stolen by fraudsters. Um, there is no sharing of sensitive um, payment details with open banking. It's a closed system, if you like, um, which makes it a really secure alternative to cards. Um, and so, the s- security, speed of um, the, the the transfer of funds, um, the 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 fact that this is open as well, the fact that this is based on open standards means that. All banks across the region in in Europe and the UK have to enable um, third party providers to initiate these payments. And it can become a truly pan-European payment method. So as opposed to closed bank schemes like Ideal in the Netherlands or Swish in Sweden, um, where you can only use that payment method if you're in that country. um, And if you bank with one of the banks in that country, in the EU... With open banking, you can theoretically um, use open banking with any bank to pay any other bank in the EU. So it, it has the real, um, it has the uh, potential to become a pan-European instant payment system. Yeah, Jack, thank, thank you so much for that overview there. Uh, Sami, I'm curious if you had
0: any additional additional insight that you'd like to add.
1: Yeah, no, I think as, as Jack is saying that, um, you know, open banking is, is, is now growing and it's uh, there is a lot of um, merit in um, standardizing uh, bank interfaces um, because we, we have to see that you know banking has been around for for decades and um, systems have grown differently, policies have grow have evolved differently in different markets. So when Visa and Mastercard came in, they saw a value proposition of standardizing uh, payments across uh the, across the world really uh with a common brand um so if you go anywhere it's a visa brand you can make a payment and that's what we're seeing now because of technology um, um taking place in the uh in the banking payments world that uh payments are becoming fast and efficient and cheap and then more and more people are uh, are uh, getting connected uh, to, the, uh, to the banking world, to the instant payments world. So it is possible now to make a payment within Europe from one person to another or from one person to an entity or, or a merchant, um, you know, as efficiently, uh, m- more cheaply, um, and with uh, a, a better or an equally good customer experience as cards, So for the first time, we have now a credible alternative uh, to cars, which we never had before.
0: Excellent. Well, I think we'll end things on that note there. So to me, Jack, thank you so much for taking the time today for speaking to me about alternative payments, account-to-account payments, and mobile payments. And I hope to have you both back on the podcast real soon. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you.